For those of you keeping track, we are on day 209 of this year. No one can argue that 2020 has been an ordinary year by any means. We have 57 days until the fall, but for many of us, that feels much closer because for a lot of our children and for those teachers out there, school begins next month. Today, by the way, is Monday, July 27th, and I have to believe that this year is going to get better. We were, after all, given the gift of a surprise Taylor Swift album last Friday. Hi and hello! You found the podcast for moms who don't have time for podcasts. You can think of me as your internet bestie as we share recommendations, laugh about the ridiculous things we see online, and cheer each other on. I'm Indiana Adams, and today, by the way, is the short and sweet podcast that hopefully brightens your day. I am so glad you're here. Okay, so last Friday at midnight, Taylor Swift dropped a surprise album called Folklore. It was her eighth studio album, and I listened to it from beginning to end the moment it was available on Spotify. Although this is her eighth album, this is only her second album that she owns outright. My favorite part of Frozen 2 is when Olaf gives a recap of the events that happened in Frozen 1. So before we move on to talk about folklore, let me recap what has happened on the Taylor Swift timeline prior to this. Taylor Allison Swift was born in December of 1989 and lived on a Christmas tree farm that her stockbroker father had purchased from a client. At age 9, she started taking singing and acting lessons. At age 11, her mom took her to Nashville where they dropped off demo tapes of her singing Shania Twain and Dolly Parton covers, but they mostly went unanswered. At age 12, she learned guitar and songwriting and started performing locally. And at age 14, her family moved to Nashville so that Taylor Swift could work on becoming a country music star after she was given a development deal at Sony, the youngest person in the history to ever be given a contract at Sony. Every Tuesday, for two hours after school, she'd work with songwriter Liz Rose, who said that Taylor Swift, at age 14, was a formidable songwriter, able to write a hook like no other adult she knew. When she was still 14, a man by the name of Scott Borchetta attended a singer-songwriter showcase that Taylor was a part of at the world-famous Bluebird Cafe. Scott Borchetta, a former music executive, was starting a new music label called Big Machine Records, and he wanted Taylor Swift to be his first signed artist. Taylor Swift's own father, also named Scott, invested $120,000 in the new label and came to own 3% of it. But how did Taylor Swift get famous? Well, in 2006, the next year, Eric Church was fired as the opener for Rascal Flats for repeatedly playing over his allotted time limit. His replacement it was Taylor Swift. Eric Church took it in good stride, telling her, This is your crowd. They're going to love you. You're going to owe me your first gold record. He was kidding, but when she got her first gold record, she sent it to him with a note that said, Thanks for playing too loud and too long at the Flats tour. I sincerely appreciate it. Taylor. Kanye West claims he made Taylor Swift famous, but really, it was Eric Church, and he has the gold record and the note to prove it. Taylor's first album was simply called Taylor Swift. Her second was Fearless. Her third was Speak Now. Red came out in 2012, and it was a pop country hybrid album. 1989 came out in 2014, and it was her first fully pop album. Reputation, her sixth album, came out in 2017, and that was her last album with Big Machine Records. 
and Lover came out last year, and Folklore we got last Friday. Basically, after her contract with Big Machine was up for renegotiation, Taylor wanted to own her own masters. Controlling the master rights essentially means you have control over what is done with your song or album, full stop. By owning your masters, you keep creative control and you're free to release your music however you want via whichever channels you want. Taylor Swift's company owns the publishing rights to her songs, which means she gets royalties when the song is streamed or used, but she doesn't own the master's rights, which means she cannot say where or how or when it's used. She was never given the opportunity to buy her masters outright, and they were valued at over $200 million, which she could have afforded. Her label gave her the opportunity to sign a new contract in which she would be tied to Big Machine for another 10 years, in which case she would be given the masters for her previous six albums in a one-for-one deal. As in, do a new album for us? We will give you the masters to one of your previous albums. She said in a lengthy Tumblr post that, quote, I walked away because I knew once I signed that contract, Scott Borchetta would sell the label, thereby selling me and my future. She decided to seek a new label for her music, and she signed with Universal. She has said that she would have liked to have been given the opportunity to buy her songs herself, but that she was only offered the one-for-one deal. She did not imagine that Scooter Braun, who is Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande's manager and who does development deals with Kanye, whose real name is also Scott, would be the buyer of the label to the cool tune of $300 million. Last year, this purchase ignited a he-said-she-said feud all over the media, but Taylor's seventh album, Lover, was recorded with her new label, Universal, and she owns those masters outright. And at the end of this year, in November, she is legally allowed to re-record her first six albums, basically devaluing her original masters. Last week's surprise drop, Folklore, became the second album that Taylor Swift has recorded and released and fully owns with Universal. And knowing that she wrote this during quarantine with no pre-sales or traditional album rollout with months of promotion says a lot to me. This is a pivot in which her songwriting and vision is allowed to stand on its own. This is the part of the podcast where I remind you that I am not a Swifty. As in, I've never seen her live and I couldn't tell you much about any of the songs on the albums before Red. I got on the Taylor Swift train around 1989. Honestly, I probably know more about her dating life than I do her early music. That said, I now adore Taylor Swift, and one time a woman that I know told me that she thought Taylor Swift was untalented, and I was immediately like, I can't trust this woman. Taylor Swift sure may not be your cup of tea in terms of style of music, or you may be turned off by Taylor Swift, the celebrity and the brand, but to say she's untalented, I just, (laughs) I just cannot trust you if A... There are three three reasons that make me not trust you. One of them is if if you work out with your hair down and you have long hair. I mean, who does this? How do you do this? And then B, if you think cheese is gross. I mean, all cheese? You think all cheese is gross? There are so many kinds of cheese. There's a cheese for everybody. And then C, if, if you think Taylor Swift is untalented. Now, this is also the part of the podcast where I admit that Taylor Swift is my second favorite current female artist, only second to Carly Rae Jepsen. Do not laugh. (laughs) 
Carly Rae Jepsen's album Emotion is pop perfection. Please listen to it from beginning to end. And if you are impressed by Taylor Swift's songwriting abilities, let me share that Carly Rae Jepsen wrote 200 songs for Emotion and about that many for her most recent album, Dedicated, that came out just last year. It's Her music is unapologetically pop and you can dance to it and her albums are thoughtful flowing playlists that personify longing and love and lust and really this woman just needs more acclaim. I'm on Spotify under Indiana Adams and really nothing speaks to me more than a playlist. So I've made you a Carly Rae Jepsen playlist that is beyond Call Me Maybe. And I insist that after this podcast, you stop what you're doing and you go listen to it. On the podcast with Knox and Jamie, one time they asked each other who they had a season pass for. As in, who is an actor that you love so much that you're going to watch whatever they do? For acting, I have a season pass for Kirsten Dunst and Judy Greer. For music, it's Carly Rae Jepsen and now Taylor Swift. So Folklore dropped on Friday, and when I heard the title, I assumed that we'd be getting some folk music, like a little banjo, maybe some fiddle, but you know, pop style, like Maggie Rogers. But it really wasn't that at all. What we got was a mood. Like the kind of mood that makes you think of past loves and that hopeful, hurting heartache that you carried after your first big relationship in high school and in college. And if you like Dashboard Confessional and the Odds and Chris Caraba's big book of angsty, whiny poetry, this will make you feel like that, but in a beautiful, nostalgic, adult way. It's wistful and relatable, and it really needs to be listened to as a whole. If you don't believe me... Ellen Johnston at Paste wrote, quote, This is one of the best, most perfectly produced projects ever. In folklore, Taylor Swift wrote a quieter, more thought-provoking chapter in her constantly shape-shifting story. And then the Rob Shepfield at Rolling Stone dubbed folklore as Swift's greatest album so far and called it the, quote, debut of a whole new Swift in which her narrative scope has opened up with a wide-ranging cast of characters for 17 songs without a dud. The beauty starts from track one. It's as if you ask Taylor, hey, how's it going really? And then she answers you. She starts, I'm doing good. I'm on some new stuff. Been saying yes instead of no. And right away, you know that this was written from a place of reflection, and it's a different direction. And I love that line, been saying yes instead of no, because I've really been feeling that lately. Check number four is Exile, and that's her duet with Bonnie Bear. Be warned, he has the first verse, and when his deep, moody voice blasted at me through my headphones past midnight on Friday, I about leapt out of my skin. It was the melodic equivalent to, there's a boy in the girl's bathroom. You surprised me, that's all. It's really good, and everybody's talking about it for a reason, because it's really good. Track number seven is called Seven, and it reminds me of a movie montage. Like, it just feels like a summer road trip with the wind whipping through someone's hair and making out on hot summer nights. Track number 13 is Epiphany, and it will break your heart when you listen to the second verse, knowing that it was written during quarantine, during this global pandemic that has killed so many people. If you are a nurse, if you work in healthcare, if you know someone who has been sick with this deadly virus, get your tissues ready. 
it's really hard for me to choose a favorite track. I love August, track number eight. I feel August, but I think my favorite is number 11, Invisible String. It's the most folky one on there, but it's also the most hopeful. And isn't that what we all need right now? More hope? If you've listened to Folklore, I would love to know what you think. And if you come at me with Taylor Swift as untalented, I mean, honestly, who are you? <laughs> Let's talk about that. And now a quick break for our sponsor spotlight. I have a lot on my plate these days, and I bet you do too. But one thing that I can always take off my plate is meal planning. And with Green Chef, which is a USDA certified organic company that makes eating well easy and affordable with plans to fit every kind of lifestyle, they have meal planning, grocery shopping, and most of the prep covered too. Green Chef lets you choose from a wide variety of easy-to-follow lifestyles like paleo, plant-powered, keto, and balanced living plans, each with select organic ingredients. Everything is hand-picked and delivered right to your door. Recipes are quick and easy with step-by-step instructions, chef tips, and photos to guide you along. It's so easy that a six-year-old could do it. I know this because my six-year-old made us pork chops with basil pesto last week. Can you believe it? Chris helped her with the stove part, but she did everything else. And that's because the recipes include pre-measured sauces and spices so we can get more flavor in fewer minutes. I especially love using Green Chef during busy weeknights because it's convenient, high quality, and sustainably sourced. So I can eat well and feed my family well, even when our plates are totally full. I'd love for you to give Green Chef a go. Use code TODAY80 to get $80 off your first month plus free shipping on your first box. Go to greenchef.com slash today80 to redeem and for more details. And now, back to the show. Y'all, let's catch up. First, you should know that I take this job as your podcast host very seriously, But this end of summer season has got me in a funk. Twice I've written full episodes and scrapped it because the topic just seemed way too depressing to publish. I'm not depressed. I've just been writing about heavy things because that's where my mind tends to go late at night when I sit down to write. Truthfully, I feel like I'm in a season where I can't catch up. And this is what I think is the hardest thing about producing, hosting, editing, and marketing my own show. This is when I miss being a cog in someone else's machine. I could just do my part instead of all these parts. As the summer is winding down, things are ramping up for us here. I do want to tell my kids yes more often, because in two weeks, they go back to school. Yes, we have finally made a decision, and our kids are going to return to their private school. So as I savor summer and this extended time that I've had with them, I mean, think about it. We've been together daily since March. I'm just trying to savor it all and to say yes to more family things. This week, we've gone hiking. We've had friends over to our pool. We've gone mini golfing. We've made ice cream. We've done sewing projects, and we've eaten outside. Last night around midnight, I set out to record and woke up hours later zonked out on the guest room bed. I truly believe that work-life balance is a myth. There isn't a magic formula or a planner that you can buy that can help you do it all. In truth, in every moment, we have to choose. And I have a really hard time choosing what's best for my family over what's good for the podcast. Because ultimately, 
Those things are both incredibly wonderful and important things. In the end, that's one of the reasons why we chose to send our kids back to school. I need to be able to write and record during the day instead of trying to work late, late into the evening after everyone's gone to bed. But until then, until they go back to school, I'm on a lazy summer schedule when it comes to work. Thank you for giving me lots of grace with that. And I think my kids thank you too. This week's community challenge is to revisit your summer to-do list. Have you done a tie-dye project yet? Played in the sprinklers? Made your own popsicles? I know it's impossible to believe, but one day, this will all be behind us. So our challenge this week is to savor summer. Show me your best summer photos by tagging them with TBTW Challenge on Instagram. I'll send a random person who participates some sunshine yellow hoop earrings that I've made. I can't wait to see how you are savoring summer. Okay, today's good time good deal is a longevity plug. I am not one of those mothers who buys her kids a new backpack and lunchbox every year. In fact, I have challenged my kids to use the same lunchbox and backpack for all of elementary and middle school, which is why I said no to like juvenile looking cartoon characters and prints. Around age five, when they outgrew their skip hop bags, they got backpacks from Land's End and lunchboxes from Pottery Barn. And I'm here to tell you, both of those things last so well. Judah's going on year four with those things, with daily heavy use. They've been stepped on, slammed in the van door, and left outside, but they are still going strong. Right now, code RAIN, R-A-I-N, gets you 60% off Land's End, and that code works with backpacks. You can even get 6% cash back on Rakuten at Land's End. I've earned $11 on Rakuten this month. And at Pottery Barn, all the lunchboxes are marked down right now. We also like Pottery Barn's thermoses. Jude takes hot ramen noodles to lunch every day, and those work really well. As always, if you stumble across a good time, good deal, share that in our Facebook community at My Internet Besties. Okay, friend, that is it for today. There's a few show notes at todaybytheway.com slash episodes, and that's also where you can sign up to get this week, by the way, the Wednesday emails that will be returning to your inbox shortly. I hope this week you can listen to some good music, that you can say yes to something fun, and remember that no one does it all, not even Taylor Swift. Now, her mama, her mama maybe. (laughs) Today is a new day, friend, and I am cheering you on. 